Welcome back to the New York Gun Guys podcast. My name is Taylor, and that's all you're going to hear this episode. Guys, check us out. Facebook, Instagram, like those pages, like our content. Check us out. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever else you find your podcast. And like John always says, if you're boycotting Apple and Google, then check us out on Podbean and some other uh, third-party platforms. Guys, this is just going to be a solo episode with me today. Uh, like John had done one in the past, I'm doing one today. So you get your daily dose of uh, Taylor, which some people might like and some people might not like. Um, what I want to talk about today is um, something that I don't really get to talk about so much so on the um, on the podcast with John, because it's more so my interest and my hobby, is collecting militaria and other things than firearms. Um, sometimes people live in restrictive places where they might not necessarily be able to collect firearms, especially older, historical, military surplus, kind of like what I'm into. So instead, they can collect militaria, whether it be magazines, uh, insignia, badges, pins, books, uh, hats, uniforms, various things to where they would kind of complement a gun or you could kind of preserve them in a very historical way, but you don't actually have to have a gun. One thing in particular that I want to talk about, which <laughs> I get a lot of strange looks when people come into my house sometimes, is my inert ordnance display. So in pretty much most of the states in the U.S., I think California and D.C., I don't think you could have inert ordnance. Basically, it's ordnance that either had the powder blasting agents, whatever, removed from it, or it was inert from its factory, from whatever country of origin it comes from. So, you know, it could be a training aid, it could be a a, a piece that was live and then demilled and then sold on the commercial surplus collector's market. One thing that I have, <laughs> which is one of my favorite things I own, is my RPG-2. Now, Used to be able to get them pretty cheap. This one I got years ago on sale. I think it was from Apex Gun Parts. I got it for 150 bucks, And then I got the Inert Rocket, which later I found out was a very high-end resin replica. It wasn't an original because the original B40 RPG-2 rockets are very hard to come by. So this one fills the role for an Inert Rocket to go in. But I got that for like 100 bucks, So 250 bucks, And I have the coolest fucking display piece in my house. Anytime everybody comes over, they're just like, holy shit, is that an RPG? I'm like, yeah. And you could kind of talk about the history of the RPG and, you know, how it was used, where it was used, and people can hold it, and it's totally inert, demilled, totally legal, 100%. And, you know, you could take some funny pictures with it and show people, and they could scare their mom. Look, mom, what I found. And <laughs> it's just kind of funny in that way. But um, I got into inert ordinance kind of just as a, not like the wow factor, but just like, holy shit, like, this is cool. Like, it's it's... Obviously, it's not live, and you can't blow it up because I don't have a rocket that goes in an RPG. But in some states, actually, with destructive devices like an RPG, you could reactivate it, register it as a destructive device, and own it. But good luck finding rockets. But you could actually have a real RPG that works. Well, in some states, it's not New York. <laughs> um, so other things that I have are like the RPG. I have an RPG-7 round, which is actually really cool. It's like really long. and has the tail section. It's inert as well. All these are inert. I have training grenades. I have two um, PG-15 uh, rockets for a, a recoilless rifle. I think it's a PG-9 recoilless rifle, or the, it's a PG-9 round for a PG-15 recoilless rifle. It's a Soviet 75-millimeter, uh, 73-75-millimeter round, which is really, really cool. Um, 
and it's just something kind of impressive for your display. I mean, for your collection. If you're looking really to diversify your collection, if you're looking to maybe set up a display, a tribute um, that complements, like let's just say you have uh, an AK and you want to set up a display that might represent the various conflicts in which an AK was used, you know, an RPG, Vietnam in the Middle East would be a really cool addition to that display. And in New York, totally legal. Not sure about the city. I'm pretty sure they're not legal in the city, but um, outside of anywhere outside of there, totally, totally cool. Um, certain things to look for. Let's just say you're at a gun show and a guy, which has happened to me. I was at this. I was at this gun show, military show, and this guy, this veteran, uh, the son of a veteran, had stuff from his father that he brought back from Vietnam. Two of them were Viet Cong, basically craft produced and air grenades. And the guy is like, "Yeah, they're inert. Look, he opened and showed it to me." And you know, some things you might want to stay away from if you ever find ordnance and you don't know if it's live or not. Call somebody that could come and check it out. Um, you know, it's it's a scary thing to be messing with ordnance and bombs and grenades. That if you don't know they're inert, <laughs> you don't want to you know blow yourself up, so to speak. Um, but you could still find things out there that are pretty cool: training bombs, training grenades, training rockets, things like that. And they are definitely very impressive to display. Now, in my collection, I've brought some stuff. Um, from North Korea, when we did the controversial collecting episode, I did. Uh, I brought a whole display of North Korean items. I don't have any inert ordnance from North Korea. <laughs> I would imagine that'd be next to fucking impossible to find here in the U.S. But d- getting into other things that aren't firearms, other than inert ordnance, uh, bayonets. Bayonets are an excellent collecting uh, piece, especially if you have a particular firearm, you could get the bayonet for it and really complete it. Things like AK bayonets, I really love just because of the diversity of countries that had made them. And each country did bayonets just a little differently. So it's cool to see the differences and the different takes on what a bayonet should be based on the country that produced them. Um, Magazines and magazine pouches. Obviously, in New York, magazines are a really unfortunate thing when they passed, well, any law that restricts magazine capacity, in my opinion. But same thing, um, pre-2012, when the 1994 ban was still in effect in New York, you can get um, pre-1994 magazines, totally legal, high cap, and a lot of AK mags and a lot of surplus magazines for older firearms were obviously pre-banned. So you could collect magazines from different countries. I mean, you could have Romanian, Polish, East German. East German was cool because you know definitely it's pre-banned because East Germany only <laughs> only existed until 1989, and then the wall fell. So um, various things you were able to collect at the time, now no longer. Uniforms. Um, that's getting into a whole crazy thing. Uniforms. Um, a lot of people have replica uniforms they use to do reenacting. Um, I don't know nearly enough about uniforms uh, to speak on that, but I recently have my first uniform display set up, and I, I sent a picture of it to John, and it's, I got a North Korean... Um, it's a top. It's the jacket part of the uniform. I don't have the pants. But it's a North Korean uniform. And the guy, I bought it off eBay. And the guy who I got it from, it was an older gentleman. He was a veteran. And he said that, I asked him, like, where'd you get this? And he's like, he was some sort of higher ranking official in the 90s, over in the 80s and 90s over in Korea. And they were having peace talks at the DMZ. And he sent me pictures of him in Korea with North Korean soldiers at the DMZ, his time before then, 
with M16s or whatever, whatever service he was in, you know, wherever he was before that. And he said to me, you know, uh, a subordinate of his was visiting a border town and uh, to North Korea. And back then in the 90s, it was a really bad famine. And he bought this uniform from a guy and basically a soldier defected, sold his uniform for food or money or whatever. And that he bought it, gave it to this guy as a gift. And then he brought it home, kept it for a number of years, and then he sold it. I got a steal on that thing on eBay. It was like $200. I got an absolute steal. I couldn't hit buy it now fast enough. Um, so that leads me to another thing. Where where can you find stuff like this? Believe it or not, I find a lot of stuff on Facebook. Um, different collecting groups on Facebook. As long as it's not uh, firearms, ammunition, or magazines, you can. There's different collecting groups or interests for a whole number of things. You just have to search. Some some groups are harder to find than others, and some are invitation only. There's groups, for example, that I belong to that that specifically buy, sell, and trade in authentic German World War II memorabilia. There's other groups that specifically buy, sell, and trade in Chinese uh, militaria. So you just got to search, you know, search Facebook, search Instagram. They are out there. eBay is a great source, but the problem with eBay is um, you're kind of detached from the seller. I mean, you could ask questions and you could do that, but you really got to know what you're looking at. And, And that goes with anywhere you're buying things from, but... On eBay, um, I find that sometimes things are replicas, and they don't allow certain things. They don't allow German World War II stuff on eBay unless it's stamps and coins. So that's totally off the table. Um, Things like Chinese stuff, I always search like Chinese bayonet. And a lot of times it's like SKS bayonets, but sometimes there's Type 56 uh, AK bayonets as well. Uh, Car 98 uh, bayonets as well. They're plentiful on eBay. Um... You can't, you could buy inert stuff on eBay, but depending on what it is, um, like inert training rounds, like I have like a 30 millimeter US training round. It's like, it's a smaller round. It's not totally huge. Um, I got that on eBay. Uh, it was a 25 millimeter Russian round. I also got on eBay. So, I mean, you could find stuff on eBay too. If you're, if you, if you look, um, gun shows, (laughs) swap meets, friends, I got, um, I got a, a training round off a friend that he just had. I think somebody in his family gave it to him as a German World War II uh, totally chromed training round. I forget what what size it is, but it's pretty cool. It's got the Waffen up on the bottom, and it's made by Rheinmetall, which is pretty cool. Um, so displaying items, a lot of times people feel really kind of hesitant about displaying items, or they don't want people to think a certain way. I put most of my stuff out in the open, and you know I'm very proud of it. Anybody comes over my house, I'm just very you know, there it is. This is me on a shelf. I like weird shit sometimes, but, uh, certain things I don't keep out. For example, German World War II memorabilia. I don't keep that out, even though I don't find it as offensive as most people do, because I realize that in context, it's more meant of a historical preservation rather than the perpetuation of an ideology. My North Korean display, I have, the, the top half of the uniform on a mannequin and the North Korean flag hanging next to it. Now, North Korea is still a country that is committing human rights atrocities, keeping people in forced labor camps. You know, I mean, they're just doing all sorts of crazy shit, but most people don't find that as offensive as a swastika, let's just say. And that's something that if you're a collector, you're going to have to balance. It's like, okay, well, how much explaining do you want to have to do to people? Or how much are you going to have to tell people, well, it's not what you think. Well, I mean, that's up to you. I'm just saying, though, if you don't want to collect firearms or if you want to complement your firearms collection, collecting military surplus items 
Inert Ordnance is a great way to do so. And oftentimes, I mean, even the, you can find some great deals on pins, medals, badges. I find all my North Korean stuff I found on eBay, um, pins, medals, badges. You can get them at a really great price. You can get a pin for like $10 or less. And it's a cool piece of history. I think sometimes firearms get all the glory because you could actually use them and shoot them. But, you know, a pin or a medal that comes from somebody or came from a veteran's collection or was taken off a dead body might tell more of a story than a firearm that might have changed hands 20 times and you don't know its history. A lot of times uniforms and insignias, you can look up those people, uh, a book, um, a book that has a soldier's name in it. You, If you do the research, you might be able to find that person and find his whole backstory and see what his life or her life was like. Which, to some people that might get a little bored with firearms, might be a new venture to take up. You know, researching archived materials and finding out about people. I mean, that's a little far-fetched, <laughs> I think, for most people who might just want something to display. But um, it's definitely a new hobby that people can get into. And some of these stuff, man, is, is going up in price like crazy. I mean, the RPG-2 that I have, like I said, I bought it for 150 bucks. I mean, nowadays it's going for like three, $400 if you could, you know, find one. The RPG-7s are still out there, and I would love an RPG-7. Uh, I just can't pull the trigger on an $800 paperweight, basically. <laughs> and that's kind of why I got why I got into military, because I was collecting guns. I'm like, you know, I'm spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a firearm each time I buy it. But I'm like, you know, the bayonet to go to that firearm would be pretty cool, or... Uh, an original Chinese manual to go with that SKS. Like when we did the SKS episode, I brought in all those pictures and books and pamphlets and armbands. And I mean, that's all stuff that complements that firearm that also tells the history of that gun. Uh, photographs too. I mean, people collect photographs of those firearms used in combat. I have some photographs of AKs and SKSs used in combat. And, you know, the one picture that I believe I brought, it was some people running through a trench and there was a dead guy there. You know, and I recently got one. Um, it shows, uh, uh, I'm assuming it was a North Korean soldier that was dead. You know, I mean, it's just not that I have a, a particular like or fondness for those things, but it's just history and it's real. And, you know, oftentimes things that aren't digitized or things that are in the physical world have a much deeper meaning than things that are digitized. A photo that's been shared a million times versus a photo that you know that's the only one in existence of. And you have that on display. And you can tell that story. And you could share that. Along with a gun that might have been used in that. Same thing with the M1s. I mean, <laughs> I don't have a lot of American stuff because... Not because I don't not like it necessarily, but because... I just never really got into it. And that's when I got into the M1s. I'm like, holy shit, the history on this is really cool. And then that kind of dives me a little bit further into that. And then, you know, I have the guns and now, okay, I want the bayonet. I want the sling. I want the original manual for it. You know, the TM manual for it. I want this and I want that. And it kind of just helps complement the collection. I mean, I'm, I'm a kind of person that I'm, I might be a little impulsive in things that I buy, but it's not without reason or not without warrant. But, um, I don't want this episode to go on to too long because <laughs> otherwise people might get a little bored just me ranting on about things that I personally own. But, you know, hey, I mean, variety is the spice of life. And I say that if you're going to collect something, you might as well go in it. You might as well go all in. And, you know, if you find that you you don't really want to buy another gun and you already have three SKSs and you already have four M1s and, you know, yada, yada, well, maybe think about picking up uh, an original manual for an SKS written in Chinese. And obviously you can't read it unless you read Chinese, but it's a good compliment for the book. And, you know, it kind of just lends itself to some history. So 
guys, that's pretty much it for this quick episode. I think we're, we're calling these quick shots, um, these little videos that we're doing. If you like me doing this solo, let me know. Uh, I could talk about other things, maybe why I'm so <laughs> crazy about gun legislation and my views on it. That would be an interesting one with a lot of profanity, so there'd definitely be a NSFW tag in the front of that. But um, definitely give us a shout out on Facebook. Give us a like on Instagram. Follow us. Share. If you guys have some cool displays, man, I, I could talk all fucking day about military, firearms, displays, cool stuff. I mean, listen, guys, nothing too big or small. I you know I don't think I, I don't put anyone down for the collection that they have. I really don't. Some excuse me, some people that I ran into, you start talking to them and they're like, yeah, I have this and this and this. I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking cool. Like that, I mean, you know, guns are cool, but like also the stuff that goes with them are cool and history is cool. And that's what I'm really hoping because as you dive deeper into history, you'll appreciate the guns you have more and you'll appreciate what they had gone through and the development of them and everything that went into it, man. It's just really nuts. But anyway, give us a uh, give us a shout out and share with your friends. Like us on Facebook, like us on Instagram. And like I said, if you have cool collections of stuff, post it up to the Facebook, post it up to our, share it with us on Instagram. Guys, I really, really do want to see a community of people out there that really kind of rally around gun ownership in New York and the preservation of our rights. I mean, listen, inert ordinance and displays aside, owning firearms is essential to liberty, and that's what I think. And I'm pretty sure that most of the people that listen to this as well, you know, believe that as well. So, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to me ramble on for almost 20 minutes now. <laughs> most importantly, stay safe.